two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step back on the cold. Problems. Mm. Tell us the fuck. Ladies and gentlemen, the C O double M O N synonym for fresh truth is the emblem. Hey friends, ever felt emotionally compromised when going into a gas station bathroom and feeling generally unsafe? Yes. Wait, was that rhetorical? Whoever wants to answer is more than welcome to. I stopped at a gas station in Georgia a couple weeks ago, um, coming back from Atlanta, and holy fuck, this place felt dangerous. Now, when you say dangerous, was it like an outhouse that had a toilet seat made of wood and you were afraid you were going to get a splinter on your ass? No, it was an actual, like, very sketchy bathroom in a very sketchy gas station. Was there a hole in the wall at waist height? Did there you was look also, through it? Is that why you have the pink eye now? I don't have the pink eye now. You have, just so viewers are aware, Tom has pink eye. It's highly contagious. I don't have You might it even right get now. it from listening to this podcast. I don't have it right now. <laughs> Please listen to me. It was also a, the kind of bathroom that was like, oh, here's my proportional amount of swastikas and crosses and like racial epithets all the good stuff aside from the fact it looked like the bathroom from fucking saw there was also plenty of like other components of it that made me feel generally uncomfortable do do people like i don't know this never happens to me but do people just like think of ignorant shit while they shit is that is that what happens? That's why I also don't bathrooms know are covered with that. Like, who's stopping at Staples and like, hang on, I need to get a marker because I want to draw in the bathroom. They, they actually go up to the the guy at the counter. They're like, "Hey, I uh, I want to do some artwork in your bathroom. Can I can I get a, a sharpie?" I imagine it's constipation. It's like you can't shit, so you just... ah inflamed hemorrhoids. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. So it's basically like shitter's block, and then you go in there without any writer's block. Yeah. You know Shitting those journal. automated. A dump you know those, no, you know those automated hand sanitizer dump things, diary. but only for preparation H. You know what I mean? And put it right there to see. I heard. I heard Stephen King does doing God's work. Bowl. What does Stephen King do? His best work on the bowl. Well, who was the the guy that used to write in the bathtub? I just made that up, by the way. Ernest Hemingway. Him too. And Walter Cronkite, right? I don't know. Him and I weren't close. Not stories. All right, let me get my uh, candy bowl of Xanax out on the desk, and we can start this episode. So, is asbestos sponsoring this, or is radiation poisoning? Uh, Regal Cinemas. Sorry. Oh, close. Very close. Yeah, they have both. That was my second guess. Um, it's sponsored today by the Cheeto dust on your fingers after you're done with the bag. That's a service we should start. You have that on your fingers, call us up, we'll lick it off. 
Jesus. It'll be a two to three weeks. We're wait, desperate though. people. We need funding <laughs> for this podcast. Well, can you wear latex gloves until we have a, a specialist to come out and lick your fingers? <laughs> what is this, Maytag? <laughs> Listen, we don't do same day fucking visits, all right? Like, what do you think we are? Yeah, we operate very much like Spectrum. We'll give you like a 48 hour window of when we're going to show up. The, the and we'll show up like, four well, you could get, you could get Cheeto Finger Prime. And we'll be there within two days. Yeah, Cheeto Finger Prime is um, is up and coming. I think it's twenty four dollars a month, two hundred dollars a year. Um, but you can no, it's also... two hundred dollars a month, twenty four dollars a year. Somehow that makes a lot of sense. It's like HOAs day. plus a membership fee. Now it, it works out. I will say though, we do do a seventeen minute trial run, but you also have to put your credit card information before then. You also have to pay extra so that he doesn't stare at you while he does it. I mean, if you well, like, you have eye to contact. pay more to have him stare at you. Yeah, <laughs> right. And it's actually in the contract that they're going to use the bathroom in your home when they're done. Based upon the stuff that Gato was showing me earlier, some people are into some weird shit. I don't want to know. Let me what let me premise that by just saying. Chat. Let me just say. Let me preface that by just saying all I sent were readily available gifts of uh, feeders. Um, if you've stuff. never seen what a feeder is. Stuff that I explicitly said, please do not send me, and was was sent against my will. Not only sent it's... against your will, but sent to your like employer's email domain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, this is what our this is what your new employees are up to. It, it looks like a syringe, but it's a tube that they fill with. I don't know what what Gato, you want to call that. Gato, meat shake. I'm tell you right meat now. shake. It's like protein shake, but made of like chopped meat. Gato, I'm gonna tell it's, you. Right it's now. a boar's head delight. That's gonna fucking haunt my dreams for a while. So, well, then you had the one dude who's just like maxed out in the reclining chair, and he's just getting fed Pringle chips like that one, grapes. That one was from above. Bad. That was like okay, like I, you know, I could see myself like, you know, that's fine. That's but, what all of our employees for Cheeto Finger Prime will look like. Yes. Well, are we also gonna have a Cheeto Finger Prime Plus too? Yes. Yes. Because we have to throw in like an Cheeto online finger. streaming service as well. So it'll like... be commercial finger, uh, commercial finger, <laughs> <laughs> commercial free, just Cheeto finger licking videos the entire time. It's a, uh, it's a couple, it's a couple uh, videos of like old Slipknot videos of them just screaming into the mic mercilessly, and basically episodes of Wonder Shows. And there we go. But it's going to be streamed through the metaverse, right? No, it's streamed through the Cheetos bag that you get. And and it's going to have burnt-in captions, and they're going to be lyrics from corn songs. <laughs> so just a bunch of random music videos that don't say just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What are you saying, dude? Are you having a seizure? <laughs> we're going we're gonna to start with Freak on a Leash. I think that will, that'll be a good start. Yes. Oh, God. You Q, me. put in your headphones. Fuck you, Tom. Don't or buy me. a laptop. <laughs> it's just <laughs> you have you have two options here, right? Like headphones that are readily available or expensive laptops. You don't tell me what to do, okay? I tell you. You, just tell one, to you be know, a headphone in your ear now. <laughs> you know, one day he's gonna prove you wrong with the laptop. Yeah. He's gonna buy a desktop. You're right. <laughs> He's going to buy a desktop with a webcam so that he can show you he bought the laptop. 
That's right. How else are you gonna do it? You can't just turn <laughs> it around on itself. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send it like I'm gonna. Send when they're it going like, out of business, he's just gonna go and ransack the place. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send him videos like Jigsaw style, like oh Tom, <laughs> but you didn't think I'd buy this. Or <laughs> you can't do that he's... on the floor, um, the floor model. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, listen, you're gonna need to leave the Best Buy, okay? <laughs> Please don't come back. This is not, this, you before. Your, this is your final warning. We've told you five times now. Q, why don't you just go to like your public library and use the computer there? That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck you both. That would be kind of funny though, because they're just constantly be shh in the background. <laughs> Sir, can you please be quiet? Ma, meatloaf. <laughs> We're talking about feeders here. Jeez. God, I get I fucking don't, lost. Like I don't. Marian. If I don't hear the word feeder ever again in my life, it'll be too fucking soon. Feeder. Well, I just bought a thousand dollars of bird feeders to send to your house now. Piece of shit. Cheeto Finger Prime Plus, <laughs> and they're coming to you in two days. Be prepared. But you could have gotten a better deal on Cheetah Finger Prime Plus exclusive. Oh, shit. Yeah. Fuck you, Jeff Bezos. We have a number of other things that compete with Amazon. We just have basically Amazon's... like an airport credit card of people licking your fingers. <laughs> we we actually, actually do our offer... entire catalog. So that's, 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 that's Skymall. Bit... That's business class where we actually send somebody to the airport to lick the Cheeto finger off. You have to meet them at the gate, though, <laughs> and they have to lick your fingers through the security. They'll, the, no, the airline. They'll, they'll be holding that little that little card when you get out from baggage. You know how you can bring on like you know how you can bring on like an actual pet if it's like what do they call those things when they're like a for emo- no 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 for like emotional like emotional distress and stuff. Oh, emotional service. Animal? Yeah. yeah, we have an emotional support Cheeto uh, liquor person. <laughs> By the way, like and subscribe to our Instagram, Second Mouse Podcast. God, Mercy's little plug. And yeah, welcome listeners to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Well, speaking of, I actually, I asked a question earlier in the week, Tom. What would be the dollar amount that you would need to be a corporate sellout? Seventeen dollars. That's a that's a pretty fair price. I could can I can I get you to hawk some like product or something? I thought this episode was sponsored by asbestos. Yeah, it's what you're breathing. <laughs> it's, in, it's, in, it's it's in your lungs. Yeah, it pairs nicely with the lead in your water. It's brought to you by lead pipes and lead paint. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw something recently. It was like, you know, one of those HGTV shows? It had to settle a suit because they didn't do, like, the proper things you're supposed to do when you're renovating a house and they find lead paint. I think they just, like, painted over it or some shit. I heard that's, like, a common thing when it comes to those shows of, like, we're going to renovate your house. They just, like, do it on the fly. and Super cheap materials, duct yeah. tape, make it look nice for literally shooting a segment, and then they're out. And then it's it just very, falls apart. Yep. It's very common for people to just simply paint over, like, mold and mildew. Uh, um, we did it in the fraternity house for years. Um, <laughs> that does not fucking shock me at all. 
it was like a war of the worlds. You could like look up on the walls and see like all different color molds just fighting amongst each other for dominance of the walls. It was pretty intense. Let's go back to that question. Let's talk about that one a little bit more, right? That was good. Well, because I've always like I've always like thought to myself, I'm like, there's no way I'd be like right but like i have to wonder if i got like an offer from like coinbase to hawk like ethereum for a couple years on a contract like 100k a year i'm wondering how how i would react to that so i don't know it's a uh, it's it's an interesting thought process because and also like you can just lie to yourself anyway and say that you wouldn't but it's a lot different when it's actually like real yeah like like if they were to say i'll give you a million dollars what's like the the thing that would take it closest to the line for you to do what would you do well i know tom would just slide over the cracker barrel menu and be like one of everything please and tom, would, would be... you consume one of everything on the cracker barrel <laughs> menu for a million dollars and a diet coke <laughs> all in one hold sitting. on he hold on he does the thing where he whispers to his lawyer hold on hold on i guess it would depend on what we're promoting right like I think there's various. I think there's various levels of like shillery, where, you know, if you're shillery Clinton, if you're representing something that everybody uses every day, like a fast food restaurant, or (laughs) rolling all the way up to like Raytheon, or something. Oh, drones! Yeah, yeah, like (laughs) like drones is a great example. Or like like death drone. You're now like shooting like promo ads for like Bahrain or Qatar or like Saudi Arabia or something like that. Like Tom Brady, like come to Jeddah. It's wonderful here. (laughs) Don't mind the fact that the Hutu rebels just blew up a giant fucking oil refinery, like eight miles from here. The water is wonderful. So by the, by the way, this uh, episode of the second mouse podcast is sponsored by the U S department of defense. (laughs) <laughs> we're here to fuck shit up we love them go go department of the there's a dude knocking down our doors as we got who's that standing behind you so for those who are listening um quintero is a diehard slash lemming into the, over the bridge Yankee dianetics <laughs> fan oh. and i am a avid boston red sox fan and aka you decided to send me some random riddles that in fact, we're actually confused for a number of other teams that normally start the season 0-3. Um, so, Q, what so, are your impressions of the Yankees thus far? Well, Tom, I've already I've already told you at, at nauseum, especially if people listened last week, they saw that my asshole of the week was Mr. Brian Fuckface Cashman, um, yeah. the New York, New York Yankees. I didn't know that was his nickname. Yeah, oh, it's his middle name. It's family name. It's a, I think it's father's. It name. runs. It's third generation. It's a username for his email address. Yeah, it's it's his it's his it's his Reddit handle, Yankee Fuckboy. Um. Oh, there could be a lot of people with that one. I, I've already I've already pretty much con- gone on the rails. How much I can't stand that man and how I think he's done a terrible job. But I, as I told you yesterday, uh, my goal here because I I don't think the Yankees are going to win the division. I don't, I don't even think they're going to make the playoffs technically. Um based upon the way that the roster looks, but my goal is really just to bring you down with me. And uh, that's not really going to work, but (laughs) 
I just want to. I just want to see the Red Sox a little bit more miserable than the Yankees are at this point. That's really all I want. Can we talk about that home run that DJ LeMahieu hit? I have not watched a ton of Yankees games because I don't live in New York anymore. But DJ LeMahieu runs like a serial killer, <laughs> and I say that because he does not swing his arms. I was going to say which serial killer. This is the si- I feel like this is, this, is this, this is the Seinfeld question isn't it yeah he hit a home run in the first game of the series against the red sox and he did a nice little like fist pump and then proceeded to run around the bases not swinging his arms at all and he looked like a box that is just getting blown around a field and it just made me think like this man makes me generally uncomfortable watching him and i need someone from the Yankee universe or whatever the hell you're calling themselves now. Like, <laughs> why does he run like that? Has what? anyone told him it's far more efficient to run swinging what? your arms? I, I I don't, I can't speak to why he runs that way. I can say though, he is a massive disappointment though, because this is a guy who's hitting like, you know, 368 the other year. And now like, what a bad bit- title too. One in batting title and could barely crack 270 last year and uh, and not off to a hot start. Yeah, last night was frustrating um, because, you know, you see, like, they do have a lot of talent at, on the bats. Um, obviously, Judge and, you know, the rest of them are, are, are really – and even Donaldson. Donaldson's paid pretty big dividends already. But like they, when you get to like Aaron Hicks and you know that's it's a it's a dead zone in that lineup and they don't have the pitching to withstand it. So Tom, I'll pose to you because you're an a, you're an AL East guy as well. Um, Gatto and I were kind of joking around yesterday because he was going to put a huge bet on. <laughs> was it Tato who we going to put a huge bet on? The Orioles and I was. Oh like, yeah, the Orioles have a uh, two a uh, twenty thousand. Uh, a plus twenty thousand odds. Oh, it's yeah, higher than higher. that. I thought it was one hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, it, it's, oh, maybe it's, it's two hundred thousand. Maybe I saw that wrong. Yeah, it's drinking. really bad. And like, <laughs> and I told him you're wasting your money by doing that. Even even if it's a dollar and you're just trying to hit big on that, it's a waste of money. You can spend it elsewhere. I told him that my thought process is that the team to really worry about is always the Tampa Bay Rays. Because they feel like a team that just kind of fucking sticks around way too long. But I was I wanted to see from your perspective because you are also an AL East guy, but you know a Red Sox guy. So like if if the team that you'd worry about that's not the Yankees is it typically the Blue Jays or would you say it's more of the Rays? Mm, um. So. I feel like the Rays have removed a lot of the pieces that were good last year. Um, they've let a lot of guys walk. They traded Austin Meadows for something, um, what they normally do. And I think they'll be really competitive. Ultimately, it's going to be because of their starting pitching and Randy Rosarena and um, who's the shortstop they have? Um Wandy Franco, is that his name? Yeah. So I think they have massive talent on that team. The problem that did them in last year was they said, we have way too much pitching and they traded it all away or they put their guys on innings limits and they didn't put them on the postseason roster. And then as it turns out, like all the guys that they had 
those starters and those specialist positions are great if they do what they're, they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. But if they don't do what they're supposed to, then you have a bunch of guys that are playing out of position and not playing well. So I think right now the Blue Jays are probably the most complete team. I would not be shocked if the um, the Rays sleepwalk to like a 91 season. That's the thing I've always like. This, that's what the most frustrating thing about the Rays is that like what you just said was it was 100% correct. But I feel like every single fucking year they just that I don't know what it is about that farm system. They just reload and they'll they'll get these random guys that you just never heard of and then just come out of there, come out of and just, you know, smash. Yeah, they ultimately still come to like 90 games. Well, I think it's because they've been so bad for so long that you have to invest heavily in your farm system. And they've they've just been able to do enough research and do enough analysis where they're able to hit on a lot of those guys. And then ultimately you trade them away for blue chippers. And then that cycle continues. It's when you break it and try to go for broke and win a world series that I think you, you can mess up that formula that they have because you mentioned it last week, the Yankees went hard into young talent and then they traded for a bunch of guys. And I wanted to go back to the creepy sentence, Tom. (laughs) It's not wrong, though. Um, I wanted to go back to what you said, though. Um, I wanted to go back to the Yankees because I feel like like their entire lineup is just a series of redundancies. Yeah, They've replaced guys with the exact same guys. Like Gio Urshela got replaced with a guy who's always hurt and has kind of trending downwards as it relates to defense in Donaldson. They have... Um, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, which now forces Glaber and DJ LeMahieu to split at-bats. Not really sure how that's going to work. And then you have an outfield of just unathletic dudes in Hicks, Stanton, and Judge. Judge can play good defense, but the ball needs to get hit directly at him because then he'll just throw people out. But if you're asking him to like range all the way to the edge of right field or wherever he's playing, it's probably not going to happen. I I think he's, I think I'm going to disagree slightly with that only because I've seen him make some incredible plays that were not hit directly to him. Yeah. So I think, I think he's, I think he's a better, I think he's a better defensive player than people give him credit for. And that's the reason why we were talking about this before that I'm I am of the mind that this is a no sa- this is a no salary cap league you're the fucking New York Yankees he is a homegrown talent that you drafted and like when's the last time we had somebody like that I know he's 30 years old and I know that you're most likely going to have to offer him what a 7 8 year deal and that's not the type of contract you want to offer especially with having Stanton and to, he's like 50 it, but at the same time, it's like you, it's one of those moves that you have to make. So, yeah. And for those who are listening, um, we are recording this at the beginning of the week. And it came out, I think, on opening day that Judge had declined uh, an extension for a pretty sizable amount of money. 213 and a half. But Damn. what came out afterwards was Judge's expectations of what the Yankees were going to pay him, which I think was in the ballpark of like 360 million or something like that, um, which is on par with some of the other big signings like Fernando Tatis 
former asshole of the week nominee <laughs> and some of the other guys who have cashed in big like Mike Trout and uh, Bryce Harper. And to be honest, I think those guys are in very different situations and judges for one, they were younger than him when they signed those deals and two minus the last like two years of Mike Trout's career, he has been a consistently awesome player. And he not just does it with a bat, but he does it in the field and and on the base path. And I think whether it's a uncapped league or not, teams are not willing to spend nearly as much money because I think they've just seen too many other teams get completely hamstrung by massive contracts that you can't move. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm judge, I'm in world series hunting mode right now, like take less money. If they can sign other players, if they can sign star pitchers and relievers, let's do that. Because I mean, you've won an MVP already. You've been an all-star you're a God in New York. Now you need the championships. Derek Jeter is the person you should be chasing right now, not necessarily a, you know, extra $6 million in your paycheck. That's my opinion. I don't have that kind of money, but I would think, especially for Yankees players. Wait, wait Tom, you don't have 213 mil? But that's not that's on more... me, no. It's in, it'll mature to 260. <laughs> <laughs> my, but my take on that is like, I do agree with you there, but at the same time, I feel like his marketing opportunities are significantly higher in New York and leaving New York, leaving the fucking Yankees is not going to help that. So at the end of the day, I still think that the money will even out, but I understand that like players ultimately, and I think the union also wants them to oh, sign. They can't take less. Yeah. You can't take less because then it hurts the next guy. And then, and ultimately you become the asshole. Uh, but he could have picked a better team to say, like, I'm going to talk to other than the fucking Miami Marlins. <laughs> there is like 27 other teams that are willing to give you that kind of money that are far more marketable. Than and them. like the Marlins. Yeah, but it's Miami. <laughs> well, yeah. the, the weather's beautiful. The we beaches talk, we are beautiful. Were, we were talking about Tyreek Hill and, and you know, I think, Gato, you made a good point about, about Tyreek Hill and like pretty much like, yeah. No, I made a good point about Miami, not about Ty- Tyreek Hill. Well, no, but that's I mean, obviously related that, like, he... Go he to Kansas chose... Kansas City over Miami? Yeah, we're, we're talking about way better. <laughs> I mean, it's like apples and oranges here in terms of location. My, nothing, so... nothing against Kansas City. I love, I love me some Kansas City. That area is called the Electric Power District area. It's a cool place. Don't get me wrong. I love Kansas City, but good it's, barbecue not, it's too, still right? Miami. Yeah, 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 really good. Some of the best. I mean, what what's more fun than playing in a power grid? We talked a little bit about the Yankees. I gave you my impression of the Yankees. What is your impression of the Red Sox? Uh, dangerous, dangerous hitters. Um, I look at a guy yeah, like I literally mean, took a guy's knee out last night. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, J- JD Martinez. JD. <laughs> JD Martinez has always been a proverbial thorn in uh in my side because like and I I knew when they when they pitched to him last night I'm like it it was like a, I think it was like a three two and he just he raked it and I you know it's it, it's but when you look at guys like Devers and all that like and they're just they have a lot of good young talent they built that team the right way you're pitching I don't know I don't I don't know I would agree with that. <sighs> 
I'm not so sure I trust. Um, but it, you know what's fucking weird, man, is that the Red Sox are continually on this weird trend of good year, bad year, good year. Like it just keep they keep alternating every single other year. They either gonna win, they're either gonna win the World Series or they're gonna be like a 70 win team. So. I don't know which year this is. <laughs> this no, I, I would agree with you completely in that because I think for a long time they've built that team with a majority of free agents and they've got guys on short-term deals. So you even look at like the 2013 World Series that they had, much of the guys that were on that team were, were at the end of their contracts. So, and that happened in 2018 as well. And they, Dave Dombrowski had made a bunch of deals, big deals, Dave, and the pitching ended up sucking. And that's been the one continuous problem that they've had is they've not been able to generate consistently good homegrown pitchers. Yeah. I mean, you look at fucking, you know, Raphael Devers, you look at Xander Bogarts, Jackie Bradley Jr., all these guys, and then mixing in that you guys just signed Trevor Story out of nowhere. This It's really going to come down to um, how healthy these bats stay because between Bogarts and Devers and all those other guys, they they have enough firepower to really kind of compete with anybody on a night-to-night basis, but it, they're only going to go as far as ultimately the bullpen. But last night, I, I you know, I was actually – shocked at how good your bullpen was so i was i was let's, surprised by that let's do a uh give give your teams a score for yesterday's game like a, a grade let's do the series instead i'm actually i'm i'm actually surprised that they were the yankees were able to pull out um two out of three uh although it was at yankee stadium so it's it's not as surprising um, I would were, say they were both come from behind wins, though. Yes. Yeah. And, and again, it's it's I, I I I said this before and I'll say it again, that the Yankees are going to have games where they're going to win 14 to two. And then they're going to have games where they win by, in you know, extra innings. And then they're going to have games where they're going to get they're going to get shelled and like they're not going to they're not going to score anything like it's just it's too feast or famine. And ultimately, teams like that can't survive long term. It's not how you win a championship. So and C minus. I yeah, I, I said I'll, I'll get no, I'll give I'll give him a B minus because it, honestly, uh, winning a series is winning a series. So as much as I may not love it, but I I I am not bullish on their prospects long term, especially because if we're just being real, right? Like Aaron Judge and um and Mike Stanton are the engine that makes his team move and they are two guys that have also been pretty often injured um so i they're one injury they're one judge injury away from being you know a basement dwelling team so Hmm. i would give the red sox a c for the series um mostly because their bullpen for two out of three of the games wasn't reliable and their starting pitching wasn't compelling enough. And they do have a lot of firepower, but a thing that has frustrated me a lot with this team and the team last year is that they can get very swing happy very quick. And they do themselves in, in a number of innings where they don't take a lot of pitches. They don't grind pitchers down. It just seems like they're starting behind a lot in games simply because 
Red Sox pitchers will throw a lot of pitches. They'll get themselves into jams. Last night was a great example of that. And they just don't, they don't start fast. And it's always been a thing with Red Sox pitchers is that they just take forever on the mound. They gave some bullshit excuse as to why they don't use the pitch com system because there weren't enough people that were able to hear it. Like who gives a shit? You couldn't hear, you can't hear what's going on now. Like what does it matter? So I think they need to do some real soul searching when it comes to pitching, particularly starting pitching and Heimbloom has made some good acquisitions and trades, but they need a legit number one starter to go along with Eovaldi and sale when he comes back, because I am not high on Michael Waka. I am not high on mm. James Paxton when he comes back. I, I, I've, I've lived the James Paxton experience. It's, it's yeah. nothing to write home about. And I'm not super thrilled about a 42 year old starting pitcher in Rich Hill being uh, somebody that you're going to ask to throw five or six pitches every five days. I understand the plan. I think it is. They want like veteran smart pitchers um, that can keep them in games and their, their bats are going to be able to like carry them the rest of the way. But like, it's not, I understand it, but I, it's not the flaw. It's not the strategy that I would have taken. Yeah. They have a lot of young guys in the system right now that I'm assuming they're going to rely on next year and the year after, but right now it's, this is another bridge year. This is probably going to be more the year that you were expecting last year. That was a pleasant surprise. I see them as probably an 88 win team. If they get lucky, maybe 93, but I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. There's too many uh, teams. Like I know that you get seven teams per league now, but there's just, there's too many good teams that can, can probably put it together better than they can. So Tom, basketball season's over for now. We're going into the playoffs, but the Knicks, as as a time honored tradition, the New York New York Knicks season is over. And uh, I want to get your thoughts on Tom Fuckface Thibodeau, um, mainly because of the fact that we've seen in these last few games. Now I know that we're not going against world beating teams, right? And I know that. A lot of teams are starting to rest their starters. You know, we're getting close to that that time. But we are watching last year's first first round draft picks of Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin, Obadiah Toppin, just dominating. I mean, two triple doubles in recent games for Emmanuel Quickly, back to back thirty plus point games for Obi Toppin, and yet I feel like even if we go into next season, if Julius Randle's not traded he's going to play 40 minutes a game Toppin's going to play nine minutes and I feel like Alec Burks is going to still end up starting at point guard and Emmanuel quickly will be relegated to six men am I, I basically since you're a Knicks fan as well do you am I crazy or do you think I'm mostly correct I don't disagree with you I think my hesitation is my hesitation really is, are we going to do another coaching change again? I don't want to, but as much as I don't want to, Tibbs keeps pushing me to the edge of being like, what are we doing here? I'm perfectly comfortable with walking into next season with quickly being the starter, 
McBride and Rose being the backups at point guard. But I, I just have a feeling that he's going to like force some kind of square peg into a round hole. And like, it's it. I, and again, is he going to be willing to part with Julius Randall? Because like, I think he looks at Randall as a guy who's probably like in his mind is his best player, not RJ, even though RJ is clearly the better player at this point. And I think he, I think because he's going to probably fear for his job, he's going to want to keep Randall around, but that means keeping Toppin on the bench. You watch Obi Toppin play, man. He plays with high energy. He's alert. He tries on defense. And again, a lot of defense is just effort. And he's explosive. And yet, you look at Randall, just lazy. Lazy, not, looks like he gave up halfway through the year. He, Randall is very much a guy that plays off of how he's feeling that night. But the thing that has really bothered me was he fell in love with the three-pointer way too much this year. And there were way too many times where you look at the box score and it's like six for 21 from him. And it's like two for 10 from three. Like you don't need to shoot that many threes, dude. But but he shot 40% last year though. So last year. I, but, but that's the thing though, is that like what happened last year? I mean, is I, I have a, I have a conspiracy theory that like he can't play in front of crowds. Because that if, could be true. There's something to that. <laughs> you know, you look at the the last year where he had this um really unbelievable season. It was during the COVID season in which basically no one was no one was playing and, and no one was there. And all of a sudden, what happened? The playoffs came around, and that's when the crowds came back in Atlanta, and he fell apart. And they gave him the big contract, and then all of a sudden, now here he is. He just he he looks miserable. Yeah. And I think it takes a special kind of player to play in New York city, as we all know, but I think this team could still work if they're able to trend towards the younger side of things. I think ultimately they need to find out like, is Mitchell Robinson legit or not? I I'm not, I'm probably going to let him walk in free agency this year. Yeah, And I think, I think everyone is always obsessed with like big, tall centers that can play good defense. But, you know, if you're, you know, four fouls into the game, you've only been playing for 16 minutes. Like you're not helping anybody. I think if this team just gets younger and they don't rely so much on guys who have made their bones on offense and can we not have Derek Rose on the team anymore, please? Like, no, see, I, I'm going to disagree with you. I, I love having Derrick Rose on this team, but, like, there has to be a firm understanding of what Derrick Rose is. And he's a really good – because he was the engine that got that team going in 2020. Uh, but, like, I think he needs to be, like, the seven or eight guy. He needs to be like that really good point guard that comes off the bench, you know? I don't think he's willing to accept that. That's why I don't want him on the team anymore. Yeah. Because I, the more he plays, the the fewer minutes that guys that can actually score and move the ball around are going to be able to. Like, I've never looked at Derrick Rose and like, wow, this guy's a great distributor. Like, no, he was, he's, he was he's, like a 25 points a yeah. game and like six assists. Like, honestly... No. They need somebody who is there to play really strong defense against some of the best point guards in the league. That's McBride. going to provide a shit ton of assists. Like, get the balls to the guys that are actually able to score instead of 
you know, I'm going to drive to the hoop every time I get a chance. I know, I know Quickly's undersized, but at this point, when you see him have triple doubles in these games, I, at this point, if you don't decide to just give him a chance and let him run the offense, and because that you know the Tom Thibodeau offense, that's an, and that's another reason you made a good, a good point about Mitchell Robinson is that the Tom Thibodeau offense doesn't run through the center, right? It's it's not a it's not a center driven offense. It's a, it's a guard and forward uh, driven offense, right? So. I I am more than content if they just there's a there's a kid from Kentucky I think uh, or Duke, um, the center um, that I was looking at and he looks perfectly fine. The Knicks are going to be probably picking right near the end of the lottery. So like if one of those guys ends up falling there, take him and you know we'll play Jericho Sims and that kid and let Robinson get the max deal somewhere else and he can get hurt every other game. Um, I'm I'm not willing to, and I think they need to move away from Fournier. I think that was one of the biggest moves that made that was a huge mistake. They needed a three and D guy. They got a three guy. They didn't get a guy who could play good defense off yeah. the wing. They got a three and turn style guy. Right, because you look at they had some good three and D guys, and then they just they just went full for a guy who could probably shoot forty percent from three point, and he fucking broke John Stark's record. And it didn't matter because, like, he just – he doesn't provide that nightly defense that you need. And I think RJ has done a really nice job at um, advancing his defensive game. And even quickly, I think if you look at the advanced metrics, he's he's actually way up there um, amongst point guards and defensive um, – because he's, he's just – he's active. And I think that's the, that's the thing that people don't really, like, learn is that defense in the most part in the NBA is just effort. Yeah, you, you just have to have, create your own opportunity, right, right? Right. You just have to keep trying and like you have to keep kind of like prodding. So that's why I'm more opt to play play the younger guys. So I think the Knicks need to kind of purge themselves with some of these older guys on the roster and just fully embrace the young youth mood mo- uh, movement. And to be honest, they need to let some of those guys go too because they need to start creating some cap space for RJ Bear when they want to resign him. And this I think is, that's I think that's important too because you can't think like oh, we'll worry about it in two years. Like, because a lot of the dead money and all that shit, like that lingers. And if they can't offer RJ the best deal, we've seen guys who are loved in cities go to other places solely for the cash. Well, this is what worries me though, because they're, the the conversations about Donovan and Mitchell are starting. And I don't understand what this is going to look like because – you're going to have to give a massive haul to Utah for Donovan Mitchell, who I'm not that big on. Um, he I dunks. Think he's, he's an inefficient scorer, takes a lot of shots. And like, what are we going to give away from him? We're going to give top in and quickly and like three first round picks for him. Like, I mean, and then what are we left with? We're left with an inefficient scorer. I mean, I just, I, I don't see the purpose. Yeah, I would agree. So all that to be said, we'll see what happens with them. I, I think that they, they're not a complete rebuild. They are like moving a couple of small pieces and getting guys who can play good defense, but also are, are motivated to, to help young guys get better. And I just, I just heard that apparently um, in, in different news, uh, Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul are returning to play their roles from Breaking Bad in the new season of Better Call Saul. Interesting. So, so if there's a show, is there a show that you would like, if you could bring it back and to, for another season, 
Is there a show that you would pick? You know, I've been watching a lot of Community lately, and that show was pretty great, but I've also seen that by the time that we get into about the third or fourth season, it's just become kind of this, like, same structure over and over again of them just, like, arguing and fighting like crazy people. Chevy Chase really kind of seemed checked out after a while, right? Uh, well, that was actually one of the big things was that he really didn't want to be there anymore. And I think I think they wanted to continue on without him. And they were trying to find ways to get him off the show at a certain <laughs> point. Dan Harmon had a great story about, like, he made some joke about Chevy Chase at, like, some dinner when they were drunk. Chevy Chase left him, like, a nasty voicemail, like, cursing yeah. at him. <laughs> doesn't shock everything i've heard about chevy chase is like he's kind of a dick in real life yeah Yeah. i mean that's that's a lot of celebrities man um abc didn't want to pick up uh dancing with the stars and they say a lot of it had to do with like tyra banks Hmm. like that stuff's all been surfacing in the past couple weeks um not that i'm a dancing with the stars fan or anything it was just like you know these stories all the time ellen is another person that, yeah, you know, like that. And they seem like lovely people when the camera's rolling and then behind the scenes they're they're not Shitty people. As, well, they're just not easy to deal with or they have a lot of demands or they talk down to people. Like I think that was the case with Tyra Banks. So community is your pick, Otto? No, I don't think it is. I'm okay. just spit. Do you want us to here. come back to you? Let I, we'll let you stew on that. Um I have kind of a hot take here, and I know this is counterintuitive to the question you ask, Q, but I would want no show to come back. Interesting. And I say that because anybody else you ask on the street is going to say like, oh, I want this show or that show to come back. And they're all like they've gone for five, six, seven, eight seasons. I think there's no way to reinvent a show or bring it back and make it the way it was because our nostalgia will always look at that show as perfection and whatever comes after it is not going to be good. I think it depends on the mood of the show because I like that you do make a good point in the sense that like Dexter for any Dexter fans out there, that was a show that had a really, really good start kind of started to dip and then all of a sudden just went fully in the tank and one of the worst series finales I've ever seen in a show. And then they decided to bring it back. And it wasn't awful, but it was just like, uh, this is just feels fucking unnecessary. I got to yeah. be completely honest. I think Dexter was one of the most overrated TV shows of all time. I agree. I agree. Uh, like the Miami like homicide unit, they were the dumbest people on earth. To not see what was happening right in front of their faces. You, you, you look at that guy. You look at, you look at his, you It's look so at that unrealistic. Character. You look at that character for like two minutes and I would have been like, it's him. He's the yeah. serial killer. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. fucking guy with the blood on his fingers. That's the guy, guy who does the guy who doesn't emote to anything like, hey Dex, we just found 15 bodies. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool blood. Can't wait Actually, for Actually, they blood. catch him in like the act of it and he some somehow figures out a way to always explain it away or hide the evidence like no one traces it back to him are you that was getting me that was the goddamn security camera somewhere you know that's that's funny it's funny that you say that because i i love the show silicon valley i was actually gonna say that's a show that should come back i i love that show and mike judge was asked about like how why is it ending because it was it was very popular and it's like why is it ending now and he's like well there's only so many times you can like 
have these like they're gonna they're gonna fail they're gonna fail and then last minute they're saved by this like tiny little detail mm-hmm. he's like there's only so many times you can do that before the audience is like all right i fucking had enough so he's like i you know i've told the story and he's like that's that's i'm i'm keeping it at that and i think secession is going to be that way too yeah in that like there's only like so many already. times right how many more times can logan get over on his kids before it's like okay like why am i even bothering at this point I do actually now have a, a show that I would bring back. Ooh, go for it. 30 Rock. Fuck yeah. 30 Hell Rock yeah. would do very well because one thing about 30 Rock, there's a lot of jokes that Tina Fey wrote that are still relevant. There is a joke every 30 seconds in that show. There's and there's a lot of shows. You know, there's references and all sorts of crazy things that you will not find in other shows. And the material never got old and they didn't really have, it wasn't like they had like a, a full story plot besides, yeah, the show is going to get canceled. But I think it's like a show you could respin very easily because of the manner of it. Like they're, they could be joking about bringing the show back and make a joke out of it. It's all very meta in that sense. It's yeah, kind of like a uh, curb when they did the Seinfeld reunion, but not really a Seinfeld reunion. I, I agree, by the way. I, I think 30 Rock is one of the most underrated comedies oh, of so like good. the last, you know, maybe 20, 30 years. And I think to like bring it back, dude, I still, the one thing that always sticks in my mind is the this joke that Tracy Jordan, like Tracy's comedy got worse as he got richer. And like his first joking about like, <laughs> he's pretty much joking about like normal stuff that like a normal person would joke about. His comedy turned into like, people eat lobster funny. Like towards the end. <laughs> that was good, man. <laughs> that was, I, I swear, man, that is that is one of the best shows I've I, I, one of the more relevant comedies in the last 20 years. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, though, like going off of what you said, Gato, like the jokes in there are still funny, too, because there's a number of times you'll go back and watch like a comedy from like 15 or 20 years ago and the jokes aren't funny. Because a lot of them have to do with like, and we've talked about this before, like making light of marginalized populations or making jokes that just are not appropriate anymore. But I feel like 30 Rock was just so off the wall and they didn't need that because it was just so smart. They didn't have to worry about that stuff. So that those jokes have longevity and shelf life. I think they were a little ahead of the curve on a lot of that stuff too, because Mm -hmm. like, There's like a line that Jenna has about um, getting into Hollywood and it had to do with Harvey Weinstein. And I heard it literally like, I mean, the show had been done and wrapped at that point and all that shit was happening with Harvey Weinstein. I'm like, that shit tracked all the way from there. They were already calling out abuses in Hollywood or they were already calling out like like some of the racial issues that became more prevalent later on Um, or even like Me Too movement stuff. They were ahead of the curve on all of that. Yeah. Um, like Lauren Michaels and Tina Fey had crystal ball or something because they were seeing into the future with that shit. Just really well done. The more that I think about it though, there is another show that I think could come back and it doesn't need to be in its original form, like a reboot of it. The wire. Interesting. Because I think, I think that could continue to play because the drug war still has not ended. There is still poverty and dilapidated cities all over the country and those characters could still, maybe not necessarily the exact same people, but they could be replicated other places. I'm uh, I'm going to abandon a pick of the week, a potential pick of the week. I'll go with a different pick for, for this week. But um, 
to you saying that HBO now has a new show called Tokyo Vice. That looks good. And yeah, I think it has a little bit. It might have a little bit of that element that you're talking about. That mm-hmm. that gritty. That's, my, crime. that's Michael Mann. Yeah, Michael Mann's doing it. He's fucking yeah. awesome. But this is actually a good conversation because I was watching. Um, I was watching a bunch of YouTube like shows over this weekend, and <laughs> there's a guy who reviews movies, and the name of the, the the page is the Critical Drinker, and it's actually very funny because this guy portrays somebody who drinks heavily, but actually provides really poignant reflections on series reboots, the Marvel Universe, DC, Star Wars, all of these big name franchises, and basically breaks down to a T the challenges that they all experience. And ultimately, they all boil down to a couple of things. One, Hollywood thinks the audience is stupid, because it is. Because they, eventually, they don't give a shit about what the, the timelines of these shows are, or the, these movies are like, if you look at star Wars, if you look at the alien franchise, if you look at the Marvel universe, they've retconned so many different components of all the stories that everything that's happened in movies prior to the next movie that comes out never actually happened. So this is a huge fucking waste of time. Why are we having another movie if you're just going to change the story? Yeah. I mean, specifically with like any of the comic book movies, they're based off the comic books. And I'm going to say a majority of the audience has probably not read any of those comics. So they're always, they always have to give you those like basic rules to the universe. They have to give you the basic parts of the character to like, you know, fully make you understand what's going on there. Um, But then they do like a lot of times they really do take you to a, I could figure that out myself. Like one of the reasons why I think the movie departed is so smart is they actually do a great job of telling you a story without filling you in on all the details. There's lots of blanks that are left into the imagination and, and you're fine with it because it's not important to the story and that's good uh, screenwriting. That's very well done. And, and it's hard to do. I will also say it's hard to do. It's easier to just roll gutter balls and assume everyone's just going to be dumb and can't pick up the context. No, agreed. I will say, though, with that movie, The Departed Man, when you find out later on that Jack Nicholson's character trusted Leonardo DiCaprio over everyone else, I was like, because like, he gave him all the information at the, at the end, and I was like, ah, I don't know if I buy that. I do, in a sense that as, as weird and complex all this was, as well as he was able to keep them from arresting him, you know, because he was also an informant at the same time, there was a part of him that lived very fatalistically, and to me, it always seemed like he needed it to end that way. Like he needed his life to, to go down in a certain manner. He was self-defeating in, in a lot of ways as a character. He almost bordering on the suicidal. So. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, because he, he says at one point that like nothing excites him anymore. The drugs, the girls, the, you yeah, know, nothing. Like yeah. <laughs> that is the one of the funniest things when he's like he's coked out of his mind his eyes are bloodshot red he throws the coke on the me like go get it yeah <laughs> what an insane fucking movie i mean it's so just, good like yeah some of those scenes are just like all time like um when when he beats the shit of the guy in the bodega like some of That's those scenes great. the way they they shot them the way everything went down i mean uh, i still say i still say the minute i hear cranberry juice I go, what are you on your fucking period? Yep. <laughs> Still, yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, 
And you mentioned that the the viewer has to put that movie together on their own in some points. And that's a problem that a lot of these big budget films now have to do is they have to explain the story to you. But that ends up creating very clunky, unbelievable situations where why is a villain explaining the entire fucking thing to you? Like, And also, too, the villains themselves, there's this weird habit of making villains in movies now either incapable, they're funny, or they are, like, incredibly unconfident in themselves where they used this guy, critical drinker used Hans Gruber as a great example, like cold calculating charismatic, but not to the point where it's like self deaf, like, like self critical or anything like that. You liked Hans Gruber because of who he was in the same way that you like um, Darth Vader, because he's also incredibly capable and they don't make villains like that anymore because they have to make them almost so weak that it makes them unlikable so you don't miss them when they die. There, there, I, it's so funny you mentioned this because I was actually just listening to uh, it's called, a podcast uh, called How Did This Get Made? Uh, mm-hmm. Jason Manzukis, really, really funny, funny podcast. They did an episode on The Snowman. If you guys never heard of The Snowman movie, it's it is one of the more interesting things you can ever like kind of like deep d- dive into martin scorsese originally a producer on it so we're talking about scorsese his editor is a producer on it it came out a couple years ago and you probably never heard of it right because it was a humongous flop and basically like the problem with the movie is that there was no well first off they didn't shoot 15 to 20 percent of the script so there's about 20 percent of the script that's missing but it doesn't really like too many movies don't take you along for the ride, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have an ability to like let you piece the details together and figure it out. Too often it's like he's the killer and you're like, "Oh, okay, sure." You know, I guess so. I mean, and you can't go back. I like a movie that has a mystery element to it to where I can go back and go, "Oh, fuck, I missed that." And like if you missed it, then then that, that that was the little kind of like key information, but like this movie, like I watched it because I like I had to see it because Michael. I love Michael Fassbender. I think he's one of the best actors. I mean, Scorsese was was supposed to direct it. He distanced himself from it very very quickly, and it is just a giant turd of a movie. Damn, you know, yeah, dude. I mean, pretty difficult to write a screenplay that's cohesive front, you know, beginning to end. And a lot of times you probably just afford yourself the luxury of just tying, connecting the dots for your audience. When it comes to, like we were talking about villains, to backtrack on the villains, the character development for villains, I think like a modern take is to give him a little gray, but they do that by trying to make you like them instead of yes. trying to make you understand them. It's It doesn't necessarily translate, right? Because, yeah, you can have mixed feelings about someone, you know, like the the path to hell is paved in good intentions, Sure. Um, but it doesn't necessarily translate in a screenplay. I, I think it's a matter of they've they that now people like adding depth to uh villains, right? They they want you to understand. Everyone saw the fucking Joker and now yeah, <laughs> they need to make but they need to make him feels for the guy. But it's right? true or though, right? Because the gal. Em- empathy is empathy is a strong <laughs> empathy is a strong feeling. And honestly, that's I think that's what makes um 
Joaquin Phoenix Joker uh, such an effective movie because you do have empathy for him and you do see why, although it's very ham-fisted and, you know, it's like, man, they really like shat on this guy. Like, but like at at the same time, you understand why he goes down the road that he does. And I, I don't mind that as long as it's not like, like at the same time, like I do miss the 80s style, like, He's just a fucking villain. Like he's just a fucking a money hungry villain Greed. who wants destruction. And I think that's why Heath Ledger's Joker is also yeah. to go back to Joker. I think that's why Heath Ledger's Joker is so effective is because he just wanted to see the world burn. Right. It's like, um, but yeah, I, I do miss like, I think like when you look at like lethal weapon and movies like that, they had like really good villains that didn't really have much depth to them. So, but I mean, you can, you can have less character development on villains, but at least knowing why they're motivated is also really important because in some cases they, they try to make birds of prey is a great example too. And that was a God awful pile of shit that spent a lot of money to do. But I mean, they made Ewan McGregor's character just a fucking goon clown. And you don't know why they're motivated to do any of this stuff. And it's and black, you don't know it's, why. that's black mask too, right? It's black mask. So I think that's a thing that needs to be emphasized too, is like, okay, fine. We don't need to have a ton of character development on these individuals. They don't need to have a goddamn backstory. That's like six volumes long, but you Dean, you do need to know why they're motivated and why they have a sense of urgency to do this because that also pushes the story along as well, because if this person has no motivation, then like, why do we have a movie? You, when you write a screenplay, you write, you're, you're trying to write what is essentially like the same as like a novel or any other type of story like that, but you're doing it in a very different format and you get lost in, I think the dialogue to where you, cause it's it's specifically all dialogue that you don't really, know if you've made those clear connections for the audience and whatnot and sometimes like there might be there might be tests out on it they're like this is confusing and they needed to go and add that in or reshoot with that stuff you know but you know what though i kevin smith made a great point about test audiences that i think is really accurate in that he's he complained that you have to bring the same test audience back because what happens is what they'll do is They'll bring a test audience in and they'll give notes on the movie, right? And then the, the studio will come back and say, fucking fix it, right? Fix it based on these notes. But then they'll bring in different people to watch the revised version. And then, like, what if they didn't feel the way that the previous people did? It seems like it's a it's a very how, stupid How process. are you going to ever know if you've actually improved upon the problem? Right, and, right? and then it just yeah. becomes a muddled mess like the fucking snowman. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's why you see things like, this is another cheap thing that I think a lot of screenwriters do, is they start at the end, they work you back to that point before they have that final piece of action. It's like, you've just told me the entire movie. I know exactly where we're going to end up. Right. And that's yeah. not... It's not altogether bad because I think some people really like knowing where they're going with the story because they can then dr- drift off or look at their phone for fucking 10 minutes and still be okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, it comes back to like gratification too. And and that's another thing that I think we also need to touch on too is gratify me. Yeah. Because so many of these movies are big budget, like box office, supposed it's supposed to be like great films there's a lot of studio intervention and over involvement too, where 
studio executives also have their hands in how these are supposed to be done. When in fact, many of these people are not actually filmmakers. They're not, they're, they're producers, like they're the finance people. And numbers. I think, I think there's a number of movies that have come out recently where it's clear that there was some studio involvement of the justice league, all like four versions of it is a great example of that. I'll be seeing Morbius this week and I will report back. Oh God, please, you poor thing. Please gratify me with information. I would like to be gratified <laughs> with that information. But I, I think that's a huge problem now is like, we don't, the reason why we talked about nineties movies last week is because they, I feel were more willing to take chances and they had a higher success rate because they allowed really good directors and really good writers and really good actors to explore these films and make them for what they are rather than what a studio executive is reporting to them, what their test audience or the demographic that they want to hit wants out of a movie. Yeah. Also, and they I, were writing on cocaine and now everyone writes on Adderall. <laughs> so. Yeah, you either loved or you hated Fight Club. Like that's <laughs> the bottom line. There was no like, ah, I thought it was okay. Like you either are a full on like fan of that film or you didn't like it and they were fine with that. And I really need to find a fight club. I've that's something that I feel like is really missing in my life. Um, if you guys have any recommendations where I can join, I, fight I, oh, club. I, I can't. I can't talk about it. So uh, mean, first rule. Or... No, but I think I think like when you look at like Scorsese, who has been pretty critical of Marvel movies in general, in that it's like it's hurting cinema in the sense that. No one goes to the theater anymore. On the one hand, I I agree, but then I also disagree. I disagree because, like, I think the movie theaters are just so expensive that, like, I'm not going to go to the movie theaters to go see some schlocky foreign movie or some, you know, rom-com. I'm going to wait until it hits video on demand. But at the same time, I do agree with him that I think, like, there are movies that, are not getting enough attention because of the fact that Spider-Man's playing on, I mean, like Spider-Man's available on VOD right now and DVD and yet it's still playing in theaters. So and there's fucking five of them. Like, yeah. why do we need like three different iterations of this? So, okay. But a point of, a point that kind of comes to my mind here too, is as he's complaining about that, what I think he's also complaining about is that they're getting these huge budgets and that's, taking away from where he could be getting like three projects for that same budget. Well, probably I don't, done. I don't, I think, you know Scorsese, what I mean? And, I think Scorsese and has, gets a blank check. I don't yeah, think he's a type I, of I guy. So. That, like, but Tarantino, I, I would say like, there but, are probably other lesser known directors who that's have good that. writing yeah. chops that right. are being like shoehorned in probably like yeah. the David um, Finchers of the world or. And that's um, what I'm talking about there specifically. Like there, there's less budget for those types of, things to be produced right like weirdly i i partially agree and disagree with something that david mamet said uh recently because he stated you know that like audiences because of the price of you know going to see a he was talking about broadway but like to go see it um that it's going to be you know people visiting uh broadway and essentially they're they want to see a spectacle. So that's kind of, I think he's actually, what he said tracks better for movies because people going to the theaters, like we've talked about before on the podcast, they want to go see a spectacle. If they're going to go to a movie theater, like you're going to see Morbius because you want to see a dump truck fire 
fucking spectacle. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, and, and I do agree with that, that like those movies are built to be in a theater. So like I'm going to go um, I'm going to go to the theater to go see it because of the fact that like that's what it that's what I want to see. Looking right now, Disney stock has not been this low in well over a year. Um, Ron DeSantis uh, taking the fight to Disney right now. Um, and the sell off is real right now. Um, what do you guys take on that one? Uh, I don't think I, I'm not sure they're necessarily necessarily related. Um, it starts with "Don't Say Gay Bill." That kind of causes the spinoff because you know reports came in that they had Disney was you know or was funding Rob DeSantis's runs for office. Of course, that becomes then they have a discussion. Uh, they obviously don't see eye to eye on it. Kind of becomes this thing like who's more powerful than who right now. And what happened was that translated into a lot of people are, are canceling uh, Disney Plus right now. And Disney Plus is the big reason that the that their stock is up. So it's dropped. This is I want to say somewhere around. I think it was up at like 160 or 170. It's down at 130 right now. I am I am less. I am less phased by all this because I don't think it actually moves the needle all that much. If you remember, and I think I think corporations, by the way, test for this. Um, if you remember a couple a couple years ago, Nike signed Colin Kaepernick to a deal and to be like a Nike spokesperson. And like you saw conservatives lighting shoes that they've already paid yeah. for on fire. Which uh, <laughs> they sure. go out to the store oh, yeah. and buy a pair just to burn them <laughs> in a video. Yeah. Here's your, here's my Nikes that I bought that are freshly like when fresh out fucking... the box. You actually saw because like you it, there was an initial dip of uh, of of stock, but then you look at the returns a year later, and their stock went up. I think it was like double digits. So. I, this might just be an initial because of uh, I think there, I think Disney pissed off a lot of people in the last few months because of what you said. At first, they seemed like they were hedging with DeSantis, and then now they're opposing DeSantis, so they pissed off the left, and now they're pissing off the right. Yeah, so now, like everyone, both sides hate them, yeah, right? Yeah, so, but instead that's of just I'm, picking one side to be pissed off at you and right, doubling exactly. down, that's I will probably, say though their numbers are going back to where they were in 2019. So yeah. But I would I would wonder too. Does any of this have to do with some of the box office disappointments that they've had with Morbius, with Black Widow, with um, I mean Loki Eternals. didn't do that. Loki didn't do that well as a Eternals. show. Eternals didn't I mean, do. Mo- most, Eternals was dog shit too. Most I, didn't, market, I, didn't, I didn't even see it. Most market outlets are saying that this is specifically because of the subs numbers, um, with with canceling. So that's that's what's driving this right now. Because even even when they they drop a turd on us, people still pay to see that turd. Like yeah, but I think there's been a couple them. of Disney movies or Marvel movies that have not made their money back, and that's devastating to them. I don't think they had such a long track record of doing I, that. I think the first one was the first time that it ever happened for Disney was that that weird thing, John. John, yeah, I know that was the first about. major flop, and it about. had to do with the costs for producing it. John Carter, John, John Carter. Carter, yeah, that movie was duty cakes. Three hundred seven million it, yeah. dollar bomb, and yeah, it was 
it was like all of an epic like they tried to put elements from like five different types of storylines or genres into one it had sci-fi it had like histor like going back in time civil war yeah it had aliens and it was just a turd solid turd but i even think then like audiences knew like just because this movie has a lot of special effects and it's like very flashy doesn't make it good and i feel like now especially with jj abrams movies that they're intentionally designed to be so fast paced that you don't have a chance to think and critique whether a movie is good or not it's just like two and a half hours of like almost pissing your pants and then it's over it's like but what did did i watch something that was actually good or was it just like bad for my blood pressure yes i feel that way about the softy brothers with a uh, good time and uncut gems it's just mm. it's just an anxiety ride the entire way but uh yeah and also i think i think disney learned to put stars in their movies because i i don't who is who is the lead in john carter i don't even know who it is some uh taylor kitsch so sure yeah um but i mean there's some good there's some good folks in this like willem dafoe was in it dominic west mark strong brian cranston samantha morton who was the um the premonition seer in Minority Report was in that and, too, and the heir to the Morton Salt Empire. Speaking of Willem Dafoe, um, I know I know a future pick of the week is going to be the fucking Northman. Oh God, yes! I can't fucking wait for the Northman. See, that's a that's a movie, and that's a director who's willing to take chances, and the chances hit. Robert Eggers fucking rules, man. He's so good. I'm sure anybody who's listened to this in the last couple of episodes is like, okay, you guys talked about this movie, the disdain for modern movies. This is like a recap of our other episodes right now. It is, but at the same time, I feel like as we're moving into the summer months when they have all these blockbusters that are going to come out, it's really a good time to reflect on like what makes an actual good movie and what is the problem we have now (laughs) about how some movies are just not good. Like just because it's expensive doesn't mean it needs to be good. Dude. And it's also about how you spend your money because Eggers, I mean, like not only will he like, I think the lighthouse, for example, he, mm-hmm. he had people build that fucking lighthouse. That was not a lighthouse that he found. He literally built it and he found like old, like journals of like fishermen from that period of time and crafted the script around like the 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 verbiage and the language that they used like it there's such delicate care put into his movies and he's I, like, like a method director he is and, and like, very little cgi too if you've seen the the how good the northman looks and it's 80 it's 90 million dollars mm-hmm. which is like for a marvel movie that's like that wouldn't even get Two you through months. opening credits. Right, yeah, that's that, the cast right there. That's yeah. just paying them. And I, I have no doubt because I mean, you can see in, in the there's like a whole village in the movie, like in the trailer. You can see, like, I have no doubt that he had that built and mm-hmm. like crafted it. Like, and again, it's, it's just he he puts such delicate care. And I think like Ari Aster is another guy who I think kind of puts it, put in that scenario with like if you watched uh, uh, what's that fucking movie? Um, you mean anything from my nightmares? <laughs> well, yeah, you look at like what's the, uh, Midsummer? I, I, I fucking oh, blanked man. on the name. What a what a head trip that one is. Right, I, I you see like the actual like 
every, every little detail is there in like the background. So like, I think he, I think he does like, I, I, I just love the new wave of these directors really putting um, a lot of effort and a lot of time into these, to these movies rather than just like pumping them out. Like we used to. Can, can I just say that if you ever needed a litmus test to know if someone's a psychopath, have them sit down and watch that movie. Midsummer. Midsummer. Have someone sit down and watch Midsummer. Like I was in a, I was in a theater watching that with other people and you could tell where the psychopaths were because they were laughing at like all the brutal, okay. the brutality in that, <laughs> in, in that movie. Like I, I you wonder, just hear rounds of laughter and you're like, who the fuck <laughs> are these people? But did you laugh at the same point that I laughed though? When he's in the room with no, the, I'm not a psychopath the... like you. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, but that that one scene where where he's like they drug him and he's like the sex scene is re- absurd. Yeah, that and like yeah. where they're like they're like chanting and like like pushing him into her. Like yes. I, I don't know yeah, what it is. I that died was so fucking. Weird. I died fucking laughing. Well, and that's, that's yeah. Well, that's because that like breaks the benign um, violation law of of comedy right right? so you know like everything about that situation is awkward and wrong and like you only can have that reaction because it it's such a violation of what's normal it it was very taboo it's extremely taboo that scene but what i love though is that if you watch the beginning and of course in a theater you don't have the ability to stop and start so you don't have that ability to like kind of really take it all in he tells you the entire movie in the painting in the original in the beginning of the first scene. There's like a painting that comes up, literally tells you the entire movie right there. Now, of course, yeah, you're in the theater, you're kind of looking, you don't have time to parse it together. But I love that, like, the literally, like, yeah, I'm gonna tell you everything right here. And then, but like, there's apparently he, I saw a QA with him that he did the original cut for Midsummer was four and a half hours. Jesus Christ, wow, A24 was like listen nah dude <laughs> we love we love you but like you gotta you gotta cut it down yeah you cut it down to like three hours and 15 minutes and i think there is i think that's available for purchase i think you can buy that cut um but the i think that the theater version is like two hours and change yeah. um but yeah so there was like another two hours of footage that was just like shot jesus christ it's a little too much. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not sitting through a four-hour movie. That's why, like, when, when fucking the Snyder Cut came out, I'm like, I'm gonna watch it in pieces. How long was The Irishman? Three and a half. I, that was another one I watched in pieces too. Yeah, it was about three and a half hours. And I, I look, I love Scorsese, but like, I don't, I can't commit three and a half hours to a fucking movie at this point. I just can't no. do it. You see any uh... good trending topics? Ghost Guns, that's a new one. So, oh yeah, they just got like banned today. What is a ghost gun? I'm, I'm not. I'm still trying to really understand this. What it's I it's a is... uh, it's a firearm you build from a kit that does not include a serial number. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. Yeah, and there was like a ten times like the number of ghost guns that were sold in the open market increased like tenfold in the last like year and a half or so. I think they said like twenty thousand last year or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and obviously there's a lot of problems with that because, you know, they, they look at that serial number because then they can get the chain of custody usually on a gun. And that's a huge help. Now, these are these are these are ones that you can purchase in person or is, is it only is it only shipped? 
So you buy a kit, doesn't matter whether it's shipped or you buy it okay. at the store, but you can build it on your own and it does not include any of the identifying information in there. I think this also has something to do with like 3D printed guns too. That, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. I, I'm telling you, like, look, I, I'm pretty pro 2A at this point because I, I do I do see the importance of responsible gun ownership. But well, you I, just can't you can't have it the other way anymore in America, but, but that, and that's, but that's the reason why I actually favor the Second Amendment is that I know we can't get rid of the guns at this point. Right. So you you can't beat them. You might as well at least allow it, and then work to make the regulation smart and effective. 100%. And that's what I'm really I want: smart, effective regulation. I and allowing people that that freedom to have a gun because I don't I don't look at regulations like boogeymen as the same way some people do. Well, like this ghost gun thing comes through the loophole of for years you could buy you know in in New York you could buy a um, semi-automatic gun right you could get one but you could never get an automatic weapon. However, right. you could buy a mod kit and then turn it into a, an automatic weapon. Right. So like these are these loopholes that exist that allow things like that to happen. Now, if you, if you allow guns to exist, that's cool. If you make sure that you have good wording around these things, you know, and, and that's the problem is that now ghost guns are a problem for us because there's probably, there's probably something stupid. Like you can sell a gun without that fucking cereal. If it's just the pieces, right. You know, like they need to create, some sort of way of tracking all of that for accountability. Yeah, I, I I don't understand why like a firearm wouldn't have a serial number on it. Like, I'm actually shocked that like gun like the the gun dealers haven't banded against this because they, it's undermining them. It's skipping that middleman in the stage, and they have a lot of power. They have a lot of clout. You know what I mean? I'm I'm yeah. shocked they're actually not on the government side with this one trying to push to get that stuff regulated and make it come through them. It's probably just out of principle though, at this point, because nothing that is political anymore actually makes sense. So it's probably more like federal government is trying to help one, regulate the number of firearms by having them all registered, but two, making sure that there is one more gatekeeper from letting somebody who is probably unhinged pick one up, but because, you know, the, the gun shop down the street, you know, they think like the government is trying to close them just out of principle. It's like, oh, no, we're going to we're going to do this regardless of whether it's for our own benefit or well, not. Well, the person the person who's probably buying one of these gun kits is likely someone that thinks that the government is trying to take them down in some sort of weird conspiracy. I would agree <laughs> with that. That's, I don't think this is like the you know, the accountant that works at Geico is picking up like a ghost. AR it's, it's not your average gun enthusiast that believes in working in the system. It's someone that's working outside the system. And that's why it's becoming a problem or an issue that uh, Biden had to even, you know, send out tweets about today. Well, his team, because, you know, he don't do it. Yeah. Also, because the war against ghosts. Make jokes about guns. Oh, oh, no. Okay. So that's what I was say. <laughs> yeah. No, I was actually the two guns walking to a bar. Two guns. <laughs> yeah, two guns. <laughs> Cocked, loaded. Two guns. Ready to fire. First gun fires. That's... Second. <laughs> so first gun jams. Yes. Dead. <laughs> the second gun wouldn't quit. 
he struggled so hard and eventually he had that bullet come out of the barrel. <laughs> As of this I night, I am that second gun. <laughs> we have not had an oil spill in a number of years. Oil companies can just claim insurance and they make like triple that back. Isn't that ridiculous? It's insane. Like yeah. the number of like, the number of biological events that happen in this world that people need to be held accountable for. And it's just like, okay, well, I called Allstate. We're going to get like a full refund for everything that we lost. Yeah. And, and it, it never seems to really change the conversation of like, hey, maybe we shouldn't be like transporting oil through the ocean and like the undersea rigs too. I mean, like those oh, yeah. are like those are I, leaky as fuck. Yeah, I still remember. Salt like, water is a terrible. It's a terrible right. abrasive. I mean, like you're just doing a number on those fucking pipes. I still remember Deepwater, and they were like Deepwater Horizon, and they were like, "Yeah, we can't, we can't stop it. Like, we can't do anything about it." And it's like, it's still pouring oil into the ocean. Yeah, nothing we can do about it. Sorry and, about and they you. Had, it, they had the camera on that shit, and it was just pouring out. Fucking. You could watch the live feed oh, of just oil dude. pouring out. You're like rest so, in peace, Earth. It that actually makes sense as something that could logically happen because all of the oil reserves from Russia have been essentially cut off from Europe. And even though the United States only got a small portion of oil from Russia, in all likelihood, what's gonna happen is like the strategic reserves are gonna be tapped at some point. Biden's gonna have to say, like, okay, we're gonna start drilling for natural gas again, and we're gonna start offshore drilling. We're going to let all of these hundreds of thousands of nature, natural acreage get used for oil. And then there's going to be an oil rush. So every company's going to try and get in there and they're going to try and throw up like the fastest rig they can. And that shit's going to be fucked up. Like, yeah. And it's going to happen. And it's going to be like what happened with Deepwater Horizon where South Park had to put out an episode and the guy's like, Sorry. Sorry. And Cthulhu's <laughs> gonna come out of the core of the earth and we're all gonna get fucked. So all hail <laughs> the dark leader Cthulhu. <laughs> Honestly, I think we deserve it at this point. Yeah, probably. By the way, this episode of the Second Mouse Podcast is brought to you by the end of days. <laughs> <laughs> it's also co-sponsored by BP. What do you all feel about nuclear energy though? I fusion I over fission. Yeah. Is that okay. possible yet? No. <laughs> That's the problem. I can see it being difficult then. Yeah. <laughs> slight slight issue in that. Um I don't I, know, man. It's a weird it's a weird one because like what, what we just saw happened in Ukraine was um like it almost became like a chess piece that geography might create a similar instance. I feel like it's, we don't want things like that. I just don't know how, how much more efficient they are than just solar farms in general. So I don't disagree with you on the solar farms, um, but I'll push back on the idea that nuclear plants are any more dangerous or um, uh, like geopolitical liability than what Saddam Hussein burning of the oil fields in Iraq during the um, Iraq, invasion of Iraq in the 90s. I mean, I will say, though, we have to do something where we where we hold on. We have to maintain a depot somewhere where you put the waste from your uh, nuclear plants. And that's a problem because if those there's only so leak, many places you can put it. Yeah. And, and eventually we're going to build we're going to make so much of that that 
you know, like where, what's going to, what are you going to do with it? You, you can't just put it into a rocket and just shoot it up into space. The moon. Or put it on can, the moon. What are we doing can, with the moon? Nothing. Or, or can we? No, we really can't because if that thing fucking explodes, we're in deep shit. <laughs> well, so, the moon, well, the moon control tides, Tom, so I don't think you want to blow up the moon. Well, we put like a Land Rover amount of weight on the moon. We're fine. The end of the book, Midnight in Chernobyl, which the miniseries Chernobyl is based off of, they talk about like the improvement of technology and the amount of the amount of nuclear material they need is significantly smaller. In fact, they don't even use uranium anymore. They use something else. I can't remember the name of it. I'll look it up in a second, but they need a smaller amount of it. and It is much more stable. They just know how to crack into it more efficiently. Oh, okay. That's good. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the one thing with all of this stuff is that, like, all of our power still comes from an old part of technology, though. Yes. Because for, for us to actually get electricity, they have to manipulate steam, and basically they're, they're using heat energy that then converts to motorized energy that then creates the electricity. So, like, that's why it's it's still kind of funny, because that part of technology hasn't changed. I guess... The efficiencies at which they're doing nuclear uh, energy is is better, and that's good. I didn't. I'm not too up to so, on that stuff. There's what's called a generation four reactor, which is uh, currently being researched for commercial application. Um, what they utilize is what's called a sodium fast reactor, and it's received uh, the greatest share of funding over the years with a number of demonstration facilities operated as well as two commercial reactors. One of them is in Russia. Cool. Um, love that for them. Um, but there's, there's another version of it. I can't remember what it was, but like uranium, I think is uranium 235 is what they used to use. Like a more um, dense version. Yeah, they don't they don't need that anymore. Or if they do, it's a very, very small amount. Like they have mm. high temperature gas cooled reactors, um, very high temperature reactor, which um, sounds kind of scary, but they use sulfur <laughs> iodine instead. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Or a molten salt reactor. Molten salt, I've heard of that before. Yeah. I'm big, I'm big. I, I love the idea of like wind farms. Those those are great. We got a lot of wind these last couple of years. Um, with I guess climate change, I've seen more windstorms on Long Island in the last couple of years than I think through my entire childhood. You know, yeah. there was there was one the other day that was like ridiculous. It was like thirty mile per hour winds on, on just a normal <laughs> regular night. It's Fucking crazy. Tuesday, yeah. <laughs> there was yeah. um. I read an article a couple of years ago that they said they they would need like a corner of Nevada in order of just solar farms, like a small portion of uninhabitable land in Nevada to power the entire West Coast with solar energy. Death Valley. Just do it yeah. in Death Valley. <laughs> Why are we getting jammed up yeah. about places that no one's going to be able to ever live in? Like, right. Yeah. The, the middle of the country there where there's nobody, like solar farm city, man. Yeah. And they're yeah. uninhabitable places too. Like it's not like people are just waiting for like a river to come through there. Yeah. I mean, granted when you do have something like that, you then need people to live there to service it. Man, like yeah. somebody will live in the desert for a fee. Yeah. <laughs> for, for, for enough fee. money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and going back to nuclear, I think like 
a lot of that because of Chernobyl and like what happened in Japan a few years back is a lot of fear mongering yeah, about it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of fear mongering yeah. about it, and I think I think like you know you were kind of talking about it. it's more, it's it's relatively safe now, but people still have that overwhelming fear that one day it's going to be a meltdown and your entire you know town is yeah under. yeah. I mean, in in comparison to the renewables, it's significantly right. more risky, and that's, to where people yeah people yeah. see a wind farm and it's like okay, a couple birds might get hit yeah. with, the, with the wind. If you think about it, though, the number of nuclear reactors that are in the world and the there are only three major events that have happened, but there are a shit ton of oil spills that have happened that no one bats an eye at. And I think you need to look at Fukushima plant as one that that has never happened before in the sense that there was an earthquake and subsequently everything that came after that that's never been happened before in that area it was not predicted it was a an incident that no one had ever anticipated three mile island was gas got captured in the wrong place and they had to vent it out it was not a meltdown they were far from a meltdown chernobyl is the only one that is truly could have been prevented and I guess Three Mile Island could have been, but in all reality, that was nowhere near a Chernobyl-like incident. But Chernobyl itself was human error coupled with incredibly un inefficient Soviet-like bureaucracy and inexperience of the team that were working there. And that's why you had the explosion that happened and the corresponding series of events. Like... But if you look at every other nuclear plant in the world, they've operated, they've been operated competently by people who know what they're doing. It's just the Soviet Union had 25 year olds running a nuclear plant who were like six months out of university. Yeah. And now in the back of my head, though, this is but this is the weird thing about nuclear power plants is that in the back of my head, I'm like, we're fucking talking about this now. Tomorrow, we're going to hear that fucking news that one just fucking went up in smoke or something stupid. No, <laughs> well, if you, fucking luck. If you read <laughs> all of the stuff about how the Russian army was occupying Pripyat, it's fascinating because they did not follow any of the the cautionary procedures that you're supposed to. They were digging trenches in polluted land. So everybody who's a Russian soldier who was there is probably compromised in a way that's going to be fatal to them in the next 10 to 15 years. Like they yeah. were digging ditches and trenches and moving stuff that they really were not supposed to. They did not have any kind of protective gear on. And all indications were that they were making the Ukrainian scientists that were managing the plant do shit that they would have not normally done. Yeah, history, re history really does repeat itself, doesn't it? Especially when you don't fucking pay attention. And that's Learned behaviors, man. You know, like you just can't kick a bad habit. Asshole pick. It pains me to do this. It truly does. Rob Manfred. <laughs> Three times. Wow. Three times. Okay. I have okay. a story to tell. Three and times. I mentioned, I, I mentioned it in our Discord on Friday night. So I wanted to watch, because the Yankee-Red Sox game was already over, I wanted to watch that Nationals-Mets game because Scherzer was pitching. I have MLB TV on my television. It's paid for, right? We're all following along. I want to watch the Met game. It says 
you have to watch this game on Apple TV. Why the fuck am I buying something that's like $140 to then be told that I have to pay for something else in order to watch it on? Was it because of the rights? Did, did Apple have the rights for that game? They do, which doesn't make any sense because I've already paid for the rights to watch this game. Why am I giving Major League Baseball money to then have to give more money to Apple? What you At believe, least when they did it with Facebook, that shit was free. What you believe is that you paid for that, but what you actually didn't see is probably the disclaimer that don't take certain, your side, Dotto. I'm this not. I'm just telling you. Week I'm. I'm just telling you why this is pissing you off is because they I don't have. Need they tell have, me why it's, it's making me it's, upset. It's, I know why it's making me upset. It's the same as a blackout because of you know local network. I, I wonder why they can't just like do something that jointly makes everyone get paid and happy. I don't know why that's not a thing, but it isn't. And sorry. No, but but it, Sorry, it, it does, I feel it like does. my complaint is being minimized right now. No, but but I you, mean, you just it, called technical services, and I told you to fucking deal with it. It, it, it is interesting. <laughs> it is interesting because we we typically think of streaming as the new age of of entertainment and and the way we consume media, and it's supposed to streamline and make it easier. And now here we are, um, here we are looking at like. It's easier to just turn on your fucking TV and, and and go to SNY. Now, obviously, you can't do that being in North Carolina, but like it, this this is just convoluting a something that's supposed to be the easier and smarter alternative. How do you sell that to an older generation of like you should start doing this instead, so we can all eventually transition and explain to them like no you have to watch it on apple tv because the rights are apple but i can't watch even though i paid for it it's like it's it's just mindless and again but this is also a failure on the part of like the way that these rights are kind of set up that like like i mean blackout blackout the real asshole that you have here tom is actually how the industry works with rights well, and blackout I, events I are another dis- thing. I yeah. don't disagree with any of that. I think my frustration is that my expectation was that I am allowed to watch this on whatever, like, I've paid for this, so I get to watch it. I get blackouts, too. Like, I understand, like, like if there's a game in Atlanta that I want to watch, in all likelihood, I'm not going to be able to see it. But why would you do this to an already fragile fan base that has already gone through a fucking lockout? has gone through a number of things that have changed the game, not in good ways, and has made the game less accessible to a younger generation. The younger players are being told by the older players, you can't do certain things, and they're being vilified by writers that you can't show any personality because every fucking game needs to be a funeral. And you've now made it harder. I I don't want to go through multiple steps in order to do something like... I don't want to have to jump through hoops to see a game that I'm not particularly invested in. I just wanted to watch it until like wanted to watch it for 30 minutes until something else happened. So that's one complaint that I have. And then the second was reading the mea culpa apology gifts that Rob Manfred sent to all the players in the union, which was his way of saying, I want to build a better relationship with you. And you know what he sends them? Headphones. Oof. 
just everyone just gets Bose headphones. Like that's going to be the thing that makes them like, okay, this guy's not so bad. Like, I mean, Bose are very good headphone. They, they, they are. have exceptional quality. But it seems like such a dumb thing to give them. You've it, already said that, you know, if you're a young player, it's going to take you six years to get to your free agency. But hopefully these like rechargeable headphones will make you feel better. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're offering some guys hundreds of millions of dollars in contracts. There's lots of money to be had, right? So why can't you spring for something a little bit better than uh, a pair of bows? Noise yeah. canceling, I hope. Well, let's not go that far. He's gonna he's gonna get canceled over noise canceling headphones. <laughs> so those are the two gripes that I have against Rob Manfred and the the Frankenstein that he's created in the baseball industry so rob manfred congratulations you are our first and hopefully only three-time repeat offender of asshole of the week your horrible excuse for a commissioner resign that's it that's amen i have I feel like oh. you're lobbying pretty hard on this one tom <laughs> it's just some stupid shit man <laughs> i've got two um, and, uh, unfortunately the recent passing of Dwayne Haskins, um, really led to some hot takes on, uh, Twitter, which unfortunately is about the worst time to have a hot take is when somebody passes away tragically. Uh, so I'm going to go with Gil Brandt and Adam Schefter. Um, guys. Gil, Gil Brandt, look, he's a 90 year old man and probably shouldn't be doing interviews anymore. And... I, I don't know what that he I don't know what's going on with him, but like he always seemed like he was a very rational guy and his comments on Dwayne Haskins were concerning. Um, he used the quote, he was living to die and then referenced that by saying that Dwayne Haskins, who, by the way, died tragically by being hit by a truck. Um, ultimately pushed himself there by leaving Ohio State early. And by not going to the draft and having his own private draft party in which he charged people to enter. I don't know how that you perceive that he's living to die by those things that like, so he's you know, Dwayne Haskins, by the way, made the right decision to leave school when he did. He came out in a year where quarterbacks weren't very good. Um, he was coming off of 50 touchdown season. So I think he made a perfectly good decision and uh, he he apologized, but at the same time, I think this should be probably the end for Gil Brandt's career as going on interviews. Because look, you're a 90 year old man; it's time to just pack it in and enjoy the you know the twilight years of your life. Uh, but Adam Schefter is unfortunately a man who makes nine million dollars per year working for ESPN, and his main job is to be the essentially the mouthpiece of the NFL. Right, he's got to be out there getting that scoop out to everybody first. That's and job. that would be fine if he was just doing that. But you are, we're starting to see more and more that he he really is the mouthpiece of the NFL. And there was some questionable stuff with the Dan Snyder stuff. This is this is just a another hinge in the road. So if so, what he did on the surface was less offensive um, compared to a, what Gil Brandt did, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, in the sense that because he basically referenced his football career, he said he struggled to catch on in Washington and Pittsburgh. So it's like, why do you feel the need to reference that he wasn't successful in his NFL career in the fact that in a tweet about his death? You can just say Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback 
unfortunately was tragically struck by a, a truck and has passed away or just has passed away. The, you know? the weird the weird underlining thing here, I think, with both of them actually has to do with perception, maybe from a group of fans we're not too aware of. And that's that perception of people that were butthurt at at Ohio or I think they, they were catering or pandering their viewpoint with those well, their I don't know, to to build reputation. I don't know what the fuck their their point in why they decided to do it was in the end, but I can only assume that there was a motivation to put those extra words in there when they could have easily just been like a soul has been lost. Like, I don't understand why they had to to add that those extra words of controversy, except to get more airtime. I mean, you know? it's, it's, it's just silly. It's just silly because uh, I mean, look, whether or not you're successful in your job, I wouldn't want, my obituary to say like he was okay at his job and he's dead it's poor yeah it's poor taste it's it's low class it's It's really shit yeah it's total shit but this is this is a real pattern with Schefter lately because this is coming off of the hill the heels of the exonerating Deshaun Watson because he wasn't charged the Dalvin Cook fiasco in which he essentially branded Dalvin Cook as a, a wife beater in that, I, I, as far as I know, Dalvin Cook has not been charged and was pretty much cleared on that. I, I have to look more into that. But he he brand, he pretty much painted him with a broad brush. And then the worst thing, in my mind, was the situation going on with the Washington Commanders. Command up, uh, Tom, your, your team. He apparently, he was writing an article on the Washington football team because there's a lot of controversy going on with Dan Snyder. And he apparently allegedly sent a his ver, his his uh, article to Bruce Allen, who is the president of the Washington football team, for review and revision. So essentially, basically allowing Bruce Allen to shape the narrative. That's what's being alleged is that he was allowing Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder to shape the narrative of the story. Okay, and so- basically that proves that he is not. A independent journalist who's not who's objective and fair, but a, essentially the mouthpiece of NFL. Gotta get, this, gotta get the scoop somehow, man. Exactly, and that's, and that's well, the problem. I think yeah. that's actually. I mean, as much as Dan Schneider is a big piece of shit, I think the things he said about the the other people you mentioned, the other players, um, is more egregious because it's more of a statement of how he thinks or talks about these people you know he's talking about these players and i i find that to be more egregious than him trying to curtsy favor to make sure he's getting hot scoops you know that's what that was that's that's, that was an access one in comparison so he's self-serving in all of this right i think they're kind of the thing that sucks i think they're related though because again i think that can that has being that he has that relation it's like a symbiotic relationship with nfl ownership I think that's what can lead to these type of tweets is because if an NFL owner has a grudge against the player, he can ultimately make tweets like this that shape a narrative that somehow the person was a problem. Like there, so there really, I I think it's just, yeah, it's gross in general, all those other tweets about the players, but like you just look at it as a whole and you realize like he really is like essentially allowing NFL owners to kind of shape their own narratives through his tweets because of the, the relationship that he has and the scoops that he gets. So it's, it's really a, 
win-win yeah. for the for the NFL owners. Which to me, that's the only time that I actually I want to hear the news event. I don't care about some like there's a labor negotiation or like I just want to hear that. I don't want to hear his take on it. Like that's not. But that's that's the thing. That's crazy. Is that yeah? That's the thing that's crazy though. Is that ESPN refuses to seemingly even comment on it. And maybe even like, you know, suspend him or something, you know, something to to at least like send a message to him that he can't keep continuing doing this. But uh, Tom, I think it's well, I was going to say, I don't think it's uncommon for journalists to provide a copy of an article or a piece that they're writing to somebody that's involved in it for clear for if they want to like comment on it. You never say like, oh, like, let me know what you think and I'll I'll change it or revise it. That's right. kind of against the ethical code of journalism. But I wanted to I don't I wanted to highlight something that we had talked about in the discord that we have together in that the way that Gilbrandt and Adam Schefter are referring to these human beings right. is yeah. that they are not human beings. Yeah. And the, 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 the turnstile. Yeah, the turnstile of the NFL where the average career is like two and a half years long. It really doesn't matter about these guys because ultimately it's all about the shield and the teams. They're able to say these things because our memory is so short of NFL players because their careers are so short. The problem is, though, is I think more people are – they look at the NFL more critically now and are not willing to tolerate that kind of behavior or language and that you're basically treating these human beings like chattel. And this person is dead now. You really should not talk ill of this person and just make broad assumptions about what their expectations and what their personality was. Like the stuff that Gilt Brandt said was appallingly stupid. Insane. I think the problem that I have with Schefter, Schefter is that it's just so and it's lazy reporting and it's apathetic because ultimately he's still making nine million dollars a year. And he knows that because America is so consumed with football, even in the summers, that he still can make money off of this. And in the past, he's apologized like he apologized for the Deshaun Watson thing. Like, and he said, like, that was in poor taste. I worded that incorrectly. He deleted the tweet and then just rewrote it mm-hmm. and then just moved on and didn't acknowledge it and blocked people. People were showing like screenshots that like when they, when they like politely said like, Adam, you should say something like you should apologize and block. You know, the other thing too, is like, these guys are con- like, he constantly fucking up and at a certain point, that take of, like, I'm done apologizing, like, people are just always trying to cancel me. Like, he's just like, yeah. people are never going to be happy regardless of what I say, so I'm just not even going to apologize. It's like, no. Be retrospective. <laughs> Look at what you've said, and then reflect on it, and you can't, like, I think a lot of times people want you to just show that you've learned the lesson. Yeah, That's being it. humble Being humble is, a, is an underrated quality, and just, like, I'm more than willing to go like, you know what? I fucked up. That was that was bad. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have did that. And realize like, you know, a mistake. But like these these guys, like their egos are just so big. I like I think that it has to be ego because like they they just refuse to even acknowledge the fact that they fucked up or like because of the fact that his job is to not only like have the info but be first. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. That yeah. like the idea of like he's fucking up like is it it's it's like a, it like lowers his percentages and like that's what he doesn't want happening. He, Who do you got, he, Gato? Who's your who's your asshole? Oh, this guy's really interesting because sometimes I don't even and you know what I got to be honest, man. I sometimes worry that I become a mouthpiece for these assholes in some ways. Irrelevant fucking politicians that say some of the dumbest fucking shit. And then I amplify that with some of the stuff, right? So my asshole this week is this dude, Bruce Fenton, joining the New Hampshire Republican primary. He's a Senate, U.S. Senate hopeful. He's a Bitcoin millionaire. So that tells you what we're working with. I'm and already he's, out. He's oh, part boy. of a fringe libertarian group. So doubling this is down Shark, on This that. is Shark Tank. I'm already out. Yeah. Um, it's a hard no for me, right? Um, <laughs> but what what was what was annoying, and I don't know if he did this just so that he could actually make a news story because he, he's a nobody, um, is that he said he made analogies. President Volodymyr Zelensky he made he made analogies um, comparing Osama bin Laden and. He he used the reference basically uh, because back when the Mujahideen had defeated the Russians, we saw them as heroes. Yes, and then all of a sudden they came to bite us in the ass, and like he's making the same assertion. Which he's saying, yeah, he's he's making the comparison that these are two of the same. We're not talking about two things because first off, like Osama bin Laden, this guy was leading rebels. It was a totally different scenario. The thing I want to say about this guy is that not only are his takes fucking stupid and pointless, um, he's just in general a contrarian. And assholes like him make their mark because they're they're contrarians by nature. And people think because they're going against the popular opinion or the, the current takes that most people hold, that there's some sort of credence to what he has to say and just because you're contrarian does not mean that you have an actual point to be made it just means that you're going against that grain and it's different than someone who might be disclosing actual and he takes away from their credibility by doing so so altogether this guy's a fucking garbage human massive piece of shit he also he also said that uh the government should have done absolutely nothing in response to COVID and just let it yeah. do its thing. Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's a real he's an advocate, average... advocate for secession. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 God, he's, fuck. He's... These people don't know where they live. <laughs> I, you gotta, really you gotta love. Crazy. Yeah. This, this, if, if you ever wondered, if you ever, if you ever want to know why I know I I cringe at the idea that I ever identified as a libertarian, well, there you go. Yeah, perfect example. All right, well, uh, I guess I'll start with the pick of the week. Um, I'm gonna go. There's there is an interview uh, for on Chapo Trap House, the podcast uh, that the main host Will Menneker did with uh, Christopher Smalls. Uh, excuse me, Christian Smalls, uh, the now president of the first Amazon labor union. Um, it's only about 19 minutes long, so it's not it's not a very long listen, but it's really incredible. The story he tells um, of what Amazon basically tried to do to kill that movement. 
and uh really incredible two years in the making um they were they're going to be the first union for amazon i think you're seeing this now with starbucks that there's a uh big uh union movement going on in this country and so it's uh, a really interesting listen and amazon man wow they <laughs> some some of the craziest shit you would have ever imagined what they did to try and uh break that up um but yeah i, I advocate giving it a listen yeah, man. I've seen some stuff um, on Twitter of like how they've changed their messaging service that their employees use to like not not allow certain words or block certain yep. words from being used. Some wild he, stuff. He mentions one point that actually may have been a tipping point that actually is it's kind of like a blessing in disguise. Um, so he, he they were their own worst enemy. Yeah, well, because they hired, they he said they hired these guys, um, you know, who were probably from the Midwest. They were making three hundred dollars an hour to basically infiltrate the warehouses and to try and like stifle um, people from joining the union. But he he said that you know Chris said that he was sleeping at the bus stop, basically waiting for people to either come into work or leave work, and was talking to them and like trying to get them to join. But at one point, he was actually doing barbecues. He was feeding them because he said a lot of his coworkers are actually homeless. Wow. wow. That's how, like, they're not making enough money. He also mentioned that he's a longtime Amazon employee, was capped at $25 an hour. And some of these people were coming in making $20 an hour. So, you know, mind you, he's a longtime employee. He's been there. He's got tons of experience. And all of a sudden, these kids come in and they're making almost as much money as he, as he is. And on top of that, they they like having turnover. They they hire mm -hmm. to fire, as he put it. Um, and it's it's really crazy. But the tipping point was that at one point they had him arrested. Wow. Um, for being outside, and that was the moment he said that all of a sudden, a lot of the people because they knew who he was, they knew he was a good guy, and they knew he wasn't trying to cause trouble, but. The minute that they had him arrested, it immediately became a tipping point in which all of a sudden the the wind started to shift in the movement. And uh, yeah, first Amazon Union has now been formed. Uh, a lot, a lot, uh, obviously, a lot of people were involved here, but obviously, Chris Smalls was the face of the face of it. There was actually a really I don't remember which newspaper it was in, but there was a big article that came out maybe like a year and a half, two years ago about Amazon's um, really unhealthy work culture. And they spoke specifically about the, the company at large being okay with turnover and forcing people out of positions. Yeah, they, they actually, in, like in, he said they encourage it. They mm -hmm. like it because it's basically they will use up a person and eventually, you know, the person either gets sick or tired or, you know, like they, they, they it's, it's a, he said, basically you're, all day you're running on like a, in a facility that's like the size of a football field, yeah. you know, and it's, you're, you're constantly running and like, and, but he, he mentioned that the, the goal of, uh, of the movement is essentially to provide better pay, uh, better benefits, longer breaks and, you know, better like stock options, things of that nature. So I think he's, he, he has done like, I mean, again, he was fired two years ago and has just been working at this and the, the first bid that they put in uh didn't didn't pass and it's like it's just the determination and again doing it ultimately because again he was not an amazon employee at that point he could have just 
decided quit. to move on. Yeah. Well, he was fired. He was fired. No, no, no I mean, like, he could have quit yeah, he trying could, he this. Yeah, yeah, he could have yeah. just found another job and moved on with his life, but he just kept going. And no matter what they did, they couldn't stop him. It was just, it's it's an incredible, Good really incredible him, story. Man. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's, he's an awesome guy. Congratulations, so, dude. Yeah. It's also nice to hear that unions are still a thing in this country, too. And they've pretty much been decimated for the last, like, 60 years. 100%. I, you know... We look at like a lot of the um, economic disparity, the the wealth distribution in this country, and it's looking like you know the pendulum swinging towards where people are going to want to unionize again. You They're know? directly correlated, Gatto. Like the, the the decline of unions and the disparity in like wages and wealth are those two. Like you look at the both on a table, and they're both going down at the same time. I mean, the the thing that the biggest blocker probably for for that change to happen is people's political identities and ideologies based on those identities. But I think it's only a matter of time before people are like, it's in, this is not livable. This is not possible, you know, and that re revolution will occur. So a change. Yeah, no, it'll I, I was going to say it'll be very curious to see which political party is able to gain the the vote from the union leaders from, you know, Amazon now to Starbucks, which sounds like it's only a matter of time at this point. And who knows, like once you have one, you'll have more. Howard but fucking Schultz. Yeah. But it'll be very, very interesting to see which political party is willing to sacrifice their corporate donations in order to get like the vote of the people, because Theoretically, the Democratic Party is supposed to be the party of unions. AOC didn't say shit about the union being formed. Um, and then the Republican Party is very anti-union, very anti-anything like related to like general welfare of human beings. So <laughs> he, he Make he your own welfare. He mentions AOC in the, in the interview um, in that she missed a big opportunity. And he, he said he has no ill will towards her or anything like that. But, like, she did miss a golden opportunity to really, like, help the movement. And yeah. he said no one came. Corporate sponsorship, man. That's yeah. the way these people get elected. And that makes a huge conflict of interest for them. Amazon, by the way, spent $4 million trying to bust uh, the unions in Staten Island. And it failed. I'm Awesome that they spent $4 million on a waste. I want to point out something. This is, again, the, the, the my issues with the Democratic Party. If you look at who is basically in charge of Amazon at this mo moment is Jay Carney, a former Obama guy. Yeah. So you look at, like you said, Tom, it's really up to uh, uh, who's going to try and grab the union. And I'm I'm worried that the right is going to is going to be able to seize that um, based off of pop economic populism. And that the le the left is really losing this opportunity because you have people like AOC who are pro union, but they don't show up when you need them to. I mean, Bernie Sanders can't do this forever, right? And you have guys like Biden who say that they're very pro union, but they're they're everything they do does not reflect that you really are. Right. So. I mean, I mean, we've talked about the uh, how how we have the. The, the career politician maybe yep. this is also the point in which a new breed of politician enters the chat so let's hope it's a good one might get some, we might get some young pro you know pro union people to decide to throw their hat in the ring and question the traditional sense of politics 
as, yep. as this country has been under for the last fucking 50 years. Was the uh, Staten Island Amazon Union, was that the new Amazon distribution plant that came to New York City? Yes. So yeah, so it's a like, new York- Within like four years of it coming, there's already a union there. Yep. Look at all yeah, the work they did just to get it there. And too. you think about and you know, this, this is two years Bill de Blasio has had a stroke at this point. This is this is two years in the making, too. So they they realize pretty quickly because you know the one common trope that a lot of people throw out is like if you try and do this, they're just gonna move. They're just gonna move. They're gonna go to Alabama. They're gonna go to some and he, and he said it's bullshit because he said this. Do you think about New York? How much money is generated in New York City? And mm-hmm. having a hub that is that close yep. so that you can essentially get those products there faster, especially with these new stores that they have, these Amazon like no contact mm-hmm. stores. They, he's like, they're not going anywhere. He's like, they make hundreds of millions of dollars in New York City. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, you're and not going to make a, shit in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Nope. Like, well, that's and that's exactly it. They, they're going to look at the numbers and they're going to go. The union is going to cost us X amount. We're still going to earn this much amount. We're not going nowhere. They did everything they could to bust it, and they will continue to try and bust it until sure. the end of time. But until then, the the workers have decided and they have formed it. And at this point, they're going to he said they're in the middle of negotiations, but they should have something eventually done. So uh, congratulations. to Good for you guys. Protect yourselves. You know, Um, I would like to go next with my pick because it falls into line with talking about labor and stuff. Um, It's funny that you mentioned earlier Stephen King, Q. (laughs) <laughs> because uh, he had sent out a tweet the other day um, that the new series Severance is some of the best television he's ever seen. Seth MacFarlane said something similar. They're saying this is like one of the best things they've it looks come to TV good. in a long time. I, I love Adam by Scott. Ben Stiller. Adam Scott's the head, uh, the the lead. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested. The whole thing's out there now. I haven't checked it out yet. So got a ninety eight. Christopher Walken, our our spirit animal, he's in this. Got a ninety eight percent on uh, Rotten Tomatoes and a ninety three percent ninety three percent audience score too. What rates higher I, than that? I have it's not. It's got to be in the top one percent. <laughs> I have not gotten Apple, um, but it's one of the one of the shows that has made me uh, at least consider it. Yeah, man. Um, I don't think I need to say more. Go check it out. I'm going to check it out. I'll tell you guys how I feel about it. Maybe next week or the week after. Maybe we can all have that conversation once you guys have watched it too, and we'll just do a deep dive into this because I would agree. I mean, I've been I've been impressed by a lot of the stuff that Apple has put out. Um, that show for all mankind is an Apple product too, and I thought it was incredible because yeah. I was also going to pick a Apple TV product that I have not started yet either. Um, oh, Slow man. Horses, which is a an adaptation of a book by Mick Herron. Um, I've read about half of the book Slow Horses. Um, but I had to stop because my library card exp- or my library rental expired and I had to give it back and somebody else got it before me. But the. Oh, oh, I actually did watch the first two episodes of this. So it's a really interesting <laughs> show about uh, a group of agents in England who are assigned to this post in London and the reason why they're there is because they've all fucked up in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. 
And it's kind of like the land of misfit toys. And what happens is they end up stumbling upon this like really big case that happens and they have to try to resolve it. Gary Oldman's in it. He's a baller. Um, but similar to Severance, not as good as Severance, but pretty close. It has a 94% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a 93% audience score. So yeah. I have not started this yet either. It sounds like I got two shows that I got to watch now and a podcast that I got to listen to. So I'm busy this week, but check out Slow Horses on Apple TV. It's supposed to be good considering all the other shit that's out right now. I think this is, these are probably the best two options you got. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, so Tom, this is usually where we tell you to take us out, but God, I want to, I'm going to throw a little wrench into, uh, into this. You're pregnant. Uh, yeah, actually. Yes. <laughs> so we have some news for you. We will be doing a live version. All of us together of the second mouse podcast next month. Oh shit. Because God and I are coming to North Carolina. Raise up. You can thank yeah. your wife, Emily, for organizing this. this event. She was the mastermind of this. Uh, we will be coming down for your birthday. Oh shit. And we will be spending the weekend. So it's gonna be it's gonna get nuts. Yeah. My pick oh. of the week is my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited to do it. Um, I'm excited to see y'all. It's been something I've been trying to do for the last couple of months is go back to Long Island and see you clowns and maybe do uh, an in-person recording. So I'm fucking pumped, dude. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. Clear that and, calendar. And March. She's advised us that she's going to be away on a bachelorette party. So it's going to get ugly. Let's I'm actually go. Scared. <laughs> I'm actually scared. <laughs> it's going to get ugly. Oh, boy. <laughs> in the best way possible of course i can't fucking wait <laughs> <laughs> yes. we'll see you, we'll see you may 6th motherfucker oh jesus christ may 6th north carolina is gonna cancel us <laughs> <laughs> i will not be allowed back in the state of north carolina after we're done yeah well that'll do it for another episode of the second mouse podcast this show would not be possible without listeners like you so give us a five-star rating and a review on all your favorite streaming platforms and share this episode with your friends. Lastly, follow the Second Mouse Podcast and all your social media accounts. Just search Second Mouse Podcast and give us a like and a follow. We normally share some pretty funny shit. And um, why not follow a funny page? Um, give you something to laugh at, give you something to listen to, and give you something to share with your friends. So once again, do us a favor and follow us. We will see you again next week. If you got some content you want us to talk about, email us, DM us, do whatever you want. Just don't send us feeder pics. That'd be great. Yeah, no feeder gifts, please. Deuces, y'all. Bye-bye. Okay, let's get me a rhythm. Follow me. Then he says, and I'm not kidding you, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Joke maker. Ha! Suck it, Jack Sparrow! <laughs>